Hey guys, and welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. We've got a really cool episode for you guys. Just so you know, it's a very, very slim uh, collection of us tonight. It is just me, the bearded one, the man that stopped smoking for good and now just smokes for evil Sterling. And I'm with the resident yes, res, re, resident yes, sir. No, the resident wrestler. Yes, sir. Justin. <laughs> got to get that Jay-Z line right. Hello, Cinefans. It's your resident wrestler. Yes, sir. As Sterling was saying. And when I'm not body slamming people and jumping off the ropes with a moonsault, I'm watching and reviewing movies. It's good to see or in this case, hear from you guys again. And like I said, it's a very slimmed down version of us because it's just me and him. We are going to be talking about the new Sony and Marvel animated movie, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Isn't that it? It's Enter the Spider-Verse, right? Yes. It should be completely Spider-Verse. I mean, the name's in the title of this fucking episode. So if you didn't quite catch that already, it's it's there. Everybody should know what movie we're already talking about at this point. Um but since it is just me and him, we're going to kind of just go into it. We're going to go uh, pretty much spoiler free at the beginning, kind of give you guys some general impressions of some stuff. And then we'll get uh, spoilers a little bit towards the end. If I remember, I'll put time codes in the show notes. And if I don't, I'm sorry, just guess. Um, so let's start it off, Justin, like kind of in general. What did you you know feel with uh, Spider-Man here? Okay, well, I guess to start off, I, I mean, I, be- I guess the best place for me to start would be just the fact that, honestly, this was not on my list of movies that you have to see or list of movies or it didn't feel like it had that big of a buzz going in. And I don't know how you felt. I'm not sure how the audience feels overall. I would love to hear from some of you guys out there to see just kind of what the buzz about this Spider-Man movie was in your communities or in your friendly networks and whatnot. But honestly, this just didn't have much of a buzz. And I, when I initially saw the previews, it looked okay, but my, but, but it just didn't have the epic feel of some of the other Marvel films that have come out. I didn't get that feeling of, oh man, this is something that I've got to go see. I'm definitely going to have a front row seat. I just thought, oh, look, it's a, I guess it's kind of a Marvel special thing. It's like a little Spider-Man cartoon. You know, I just, it, it just, nothing about it gave me a bad impression, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's anything that really interests me. And that's so uncharacteristic of me because normally anything Marvel, I'm there. Like, I'm going to go see it. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm definitely getting my tickets for this one, but not this movie. And I don't know. And I wonder if that was just the animated factor, like the fact that this was an animated movie, the fact that it was a Marvel animated movie. And maybe I was a little unfamiliar with that, but. That's definitely something to talk about why this doesn't have the initial buzz as other Marvel films had, even like what Venom had. You know, there were people really excited to see that. So I just think that's something interesting uh, to touch on. How, how was it for you, Sterling, did, did, and, and people around you? Was there a buzz for this movie? Did you feel that on social media or in any of your friendship circles? I mean, honestly, dude, like up here, I was kind of the same way with you. I knew it was coming out. I watched the trailers. I was like, all right, this seems okay. But to me, it was one of those things. I'm like, yeah, that's a movie I'll watch when it comes out on iTunes or, you know, it's not an HBO movie for me. 
a lot of movies I end up designating when they come out on HBO, I'll watch them. But this was an iTunes movie. I'm like, all right, when I can buy it, I'll watch it then. You know, I was not really uh, inspired to like watch it sooner. And I heard no one talking about this movie up until literally the day it came out. You know, the Friday it came out is when I started seeing people talk about it. And everything I saw was everybody was saying nothing but good things. Some of those I took with a grain of salt because some of them liked Venom. And, you know, (laughs) I'm a notorious anti-Venom person. Um, So some people liked it. You know, Venom. Some of these people liked Batman versus Superman. Um, Some of these people liked Logan. So I'm like, how am I going to trust these people? You know, when they liked these terrible, terrible comic book movies. Yes, Logan, you were in there. And I hate you for that. I I was so glad I was getting to do that, too. Um, It's just one of those things. I didn't know what to do with it. And I'd seen it had been getting a ton of good reviews. And, you know, when it finally dropped out of the 100 percent. So when it I was actually thinking, I was like, man, is this going to be my next Paddington? Am I going to be talking about this movie for ages? Is this going to be my Paddington, too? And it finally dropped to 99%. And I was like, all right. And then I went and I didn't read the reviews. I went and looked for that one. I wanted to see what that that first negative review was. And that guy was sitting there and he was like, the animation is shitty and the movie's just okay. I was like, wait, what? And I went and looked at his website and I was like, fuck, I just fell for this guy's trap. I was like, this guy is totally fucking trolling everything and wanted to be the first one to give this a negative review just so he can get fucking clicks to his website. And I'm like, fuck i totally fell for this but i was already on his website so what could i fucking do so i read it and he was talking about how like during the screening he went up to the sony rep and he's like hey i think something's wrong with the projector and the sony guy was like no that's how it's supposed to look and the guy was like really like it's like fifth grade animation and i'm when i'm watching this movie even when i was just looking at the trailers but just in general when i'm watching this movie i'm like who the fuck thinks this animation's bad it's yeah it's not it's not hyper deal like detailed animation it's not like like what pixar does with it you know but god it felt like a fucking comic book came to life like as a cartoon and i i legitimately feel like that's the first time i've seen that you know we've seen like comic books come to life like in real you know live action movies or like in sin city which kind of blurs the line between both but when i watched this movie it legitimately felt like i was watching a comic book happen and it was and it was some of the small details with it too, like that whole fucking way the, the the way they used to do color uh back in the olden days with comics where it was the little dots you could see the little dots yes, kind of like those little dots and, and ripples and everything yes, and that's how they textured things in this. They used that to give the texture of things like and it was so subtle sometimes like there was one time like Miles Morales had his head down, but you could just see the little dots through his skin. And you could see it like on the cuff of his shirt. And I'm like, holy shit. I was like, that is incredibly detailed stuff that like nine times out of 10, you're probably not going to notice. But it's just those small details that you're like, that's why it feels the way it does. Um, And like, so, and I'm not gonna lie, that kind of intrigued me even more to like watch this movie though. Um, To go back to what we're talking about before I, you know, dive too deep into what we, you know, some other other points in it. But that was, that was a very, I'll say this, the guy was off his fucking head because the movie looks spectacular that was probably one of the best looking animated movies i've seen in a long time yeah and and like i I said it's not and it's not because it's you know i guess technically proficiently animated it is stylistically animated in the perfect way for this movie 
I, I loved the way that the the spider people from different universes all had slightly different things done for them. You know, I liked how Spider Ham wasn't quite exactly the same animation style as Spider Man Noir, who wasn't yes. the quite yes. the same animation style. Uh, you know, from you know Miles Morales or uh, Spider Gwen. Or the, you know, the Peter Parker and everything like that. They were, those three, you know, were similar, but they, 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 that fit. But like I said, Noir and Spider-Ham were just a little different. They were, they were close enough to where it still fit and it wasn't jarring, but just slightly different to give them that uniqueness that they needed as characters. Um, and also I'll, I'll, I'll say this too, without going too much into detail, the voice casting in this movie was fucking phenomenal. Yes. They knocked it out yes. of the fucking park with the fucking voice casting. And they had some legit actors being some of these smaller roles. Um, like Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz is a voice actor in this movie. And it and when I saw her name, I was like, wait, fucking Zoe Kravitz was one of them? And it took me a little bit to figure out who it was, but she was Mary Jane. So somebody who was one of the main characters in the newest Harry Potter movie was Mary Jane, who, and this isn't too much of a spoiler doesn't have too much of a big role in this movie. You maybe hear her speak five times. I think she maybe says eight complete sentences in this movie. And Zoe Kravitz did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a super small thing like that. And and what Lee Schreiber did for the Kingpin was fucking phenomenal. That is that is up there with Vincent D'Onofrio's version of the Kingpin from the uh, Netflix Daredevil series. Um, wow. That is, can I just speak on that? Now, that's that's a pretty big statement. And I think, um, and, I, and as, as you said that, I'm thinking to myself, wow, do I agree with that or not? But I, I think you have something there, man, because even just the look of this kingpin, this, I, I loved his contrast to Miles Morales. Like how Miles Morales is really just this, uh, a shorter guy, shorter teen, skinny frame. And then you just have the Kingpin who was just this giant, overbearing, intimidating circle. And I like that choice to paint him in that style. Like it, it, it just made him. And there were times even and, 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 and it wasn't just how he looked, but it was how the film shot him in certain scenes how he would eclipse certain characters, how his shadow would just cast over people. It was really wonderful visual stuff they did with this look of the Kingpin. It wasn't a different look just to be different. It played perfectly into the storytelling with the Kingpin. And, I mean, the guy looked like a brick house was made into a person. Uh, and, and, and like you said, I loved that. I loved the way he was the exact opposite of Miles Morales. Um, I mean, and I love the way he, they did his square shoulders. He looked like a fucking cube in so many of the scenes, but it worked. But I loved Lee Schreiber doing that, that kind of New Jersey. I, I don't want to say Tony Soprano, but that type of caricature of a mob boss voice with him where he sounded more kind of like a mob boss, like, a, like what you would think a crime lord would sound like like stereotypically like a crime lord he sounded a little bit more like that and i and i loved it i fucking loved him as that um and we'll we'll get more into some of these other voice actors and stuff with it later but i just it really blew blew me away with how he did it you know 
And at first it was a little jarring. Like when I first heard his voice coming out of the way his body, I was like, oh, wait, I was like, I don't know if I was ready for that. But then like as the movie went along, I was like, oh, no, I don't want another kingpin now. I want this as my kingpin for everything. (laughs) With the exception of Vincent D'Onofrio, because his is like nuanced in the other way. You know what I mean? It's he he look he's supposed to be like he's got that calm and collected exterior, but when he does unleash, it's it's surprising because of how brutal it is. Because he's so like uh obsessed with keeping that cool, collected, methodical appearance that when he does unleash, that's where that brutality that makes him fear like feared comes from. Whereas this one is it's the most physically like one of the most physically imposing like people you will ever see. Yes. And the yes. voice, the voice is a little disarming with it. But like I said, like as the movie goes on, it just, it fits even more and more. It's like what, like as the movie goes on and as that character gets its groove, like you find yourself not wanting any other grooves, like for that character, you're like, no, that's the character. Like it, it just, it goes so well towards the end. Um, but no, other than that, I mean, it was, uh, like I said, the way they did it, they've, you know, you got Miles Morales, which, uh, for anybody doesn't who doesn't know, took over for Spider-Man in the Ultimate Spider-Man universe in the comics when mm-hmm. Peter Parker is killed by the Green Goblin in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very big deal. Um, one of the reasons why Marvel did that was to fuck with Sony because Sony had a bunch of rules on what was going to be allowed for their Spider-Man movies. You know, they, they were like, Spider-Man has to be this. Spider-Man has to be that. And a lot of them had the caveat of unless it's changed in the comics. And one of those things was Spider-Man has to be white unless he's not white in the comics. So the, and it's, this might be urban legend, but this is the prevailing theory that has gone along a lot is whenever that got back to Marvel and specifically Brian Michael Bendis, who was wrote every issue of ultimate Spider-Man when that got back to him, he was like, Oh really? Fuck this killed Peter Parker made miles Morales, a half black, half Latino, uh, Spider-Man, you know, just to be like, fuck with him. Like, oh, well, now you've got other choices there, Sony. What are you going to do now? Um, wow. That's yeah. That I hope that that is the story because that's pretty neat. I love it. Yeah. And it's one of those things. If it's not the story, fuck, that should totally be the story. Yes. You know, so, I mean, it was it was just one of those fun things like that. Like and but Miles Morales, like I know initially and I remember seeing it like I remember seeing something about it on 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 a news show, they were talking about it because it was such a big deal that all of a sudden Spider-Man is essentially a black character, like, you know, and well, a, a, a black Latino character, you know, and that caught everybody off guard at first. And I know, you know, because comic fans aren't really known for being, you know, uh, accepting of changes, especially when it comes to changing the color of someone's skin for something. Holy fuck. But yeah, he was he was met with so much backlash at the beginning. But you could tell that Brian Michael Bendis and Marvel were like, fuck you. This is Spider-Man. Like you get on board or you're not going to fucking get, you know, or just don't read it because they went with it and they went with it hard. And, and honestly, in general comic readers and, and people that aren't shitty were rewarded for that because Miles Morales was an amazing fucking Spider-Man. He was such an amazing Spider-Man when they destroyed the ultimate universe and killed off all those characters. They kept him alive. They brought him into the regular 616 Marvel Universe just so he would still be there because he's such an amazing fucking character. Uh, and, and that's, that's one thing awesome. I did love about this movie. That's one thing I loved about this movie is it was centered around Miles Morales. And as much as I hate, I fucking hate origin stories, especially of Spider-Man. 
I loved the way they treated him in this. We'll get into some of that you know, a little more in the spoiler part of it. But the way they did his origin story was, you know, he became Spider-Man and then the movie was still happening around him very quickly. And that's one thing I did like about this is a lot of superhero movies, when they do an origin story, it very much is them, you know, becoming the character. And then all of a sudden there's a need for that character. Um, whereas in this, he becomes Spider-Man and he's more or less behind the eight ball because New York specifically still needs a fucking Spider-Man right away. Like they need a Spider-Man right now. And he's just becoming Spider-Man. So he's he's got to jump on it and, and, and get it together very fast. And I, I love that about yes. this movie because, you know, it didn't give him time to like, you know, become Spider-Man. And then all of a sudden there's a need for Spider-Man. I always just think it's incredibly weird that all of a sudden when these superheroes like appear is when the villains appear. Uh, True. I mean, True. you know, because I mean, it's with the type of things that were going on. Let's just use uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man uh, universe. Those three movies just as an example. So with the things they were doing in that universe, Spider-Man is the only superhero, really. And Spider-Man is not directly responsible for most of these villains coming into play. Spider-Man didn't necessarily cause the Green Goblin to become the Green Goblin. Spider-Man did not (laughs) cause... uh, I mean, you could loosely, loosely maybe see a connection between him and Doc Ock. But I would argue if Peter Parker had not become Spider-Man, he would still could have been his research assistant and Doc Ock still could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. The Sandman. Sandman had nothing to do with Spider-Man. He was just a villain that came along. But everybody seemed genuinely surprised by these types of villains coming into this world. Why did they all start coming into the world after Spider-Man became Spider-Man? These types of things were still should have been happening in this universe. So why weren't these types of things happening before Spider-Man became Spider-Man? It's just all of a sudden he's Spider-Man. And therefore, other circumstances that aren't related from him are happening that are now making villains. And true. That is so true. And, uh, and other superhero films are notorious for that. And we forgive it all the time. And that's so true, though. It is a common uh, story with these tropes. That's so true. And, and I'm not I'm while I am not a fan necessarily of the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I'm not picking on them. I was just using them as a good example of it, Um, because like you said, a ton of superhero movies do this. And that's what I appreciate. And that's one reason why I hate origin stories is because you always get multiple origins because you have to have the origin of the hero. You've also got to have the origin of the villain. You've got to have the origin of this. You've got to have the origin of that. There's no one that's like, why are they never going up against a villain that's just established? Like, why is that never possible? I'm looking at you, Marvel. I want... Like, quit killing all your fucking villains at the end of every fucking movie. Have one of them live and have one of them be the villain in the next fucking movie for another character. So then that way I'm not needing the origin of their brand new villain too. just have some villains live and cause some problems with some other people, which credit to Netflix because Wilson Fisk has shown up in a couple of the other series. You got him set up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you got him. I mean, he he does tie into the Punisher and things like that. But I'm just saying, like, he didn't die, so he's he's doing some things here and there. You know, he does some stuff with the Punisher, does some stuff with some of this, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, he's doing some other stuff. That's great. You know, like do some of that shit because holy fuck, like I said, it's insane how many times villains are getting created at the same time the heroes are getting made. Like, especially when they're not like there's no direct correlation. Like, I'll forgive you. 
if you want to kind of go the ultimate Fantastic Four route, and I know a lot of people had problems with it, you know, with the Fantastic Four movies, you know, the original ones we got, but I'm okay with there being no Doctor Doom until the Fantastic Four are made. I'm okay with that because you could always argue that the ultimate Fantastic Four did that. But they could also establish Doctor Doom and then, you know, two movies later have the Fantastic Four show up. That'd be fine too, guys. Come on. We can have some of this. Um, I'm getting a little off topic because it's just a big thing that bothers me. And while this was an origin story, I'm glad it didn't do that. Um, like we did mention, the Kingpins in this movie. Guess what? You don't get the Kingpins origin in this movie. It's fan fucking tastic. Exactly. You don't get his origin. And you get a good reason for why he's doing what he's doing without it having to be an origin story. So that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And I, I like the fact that while you do see some other spider people show up in this movie, you get their origins. And I love it how they do it in about five fucking seconds for each one. Yes. They're like, hey, yes. you need to know this. So here you go. Bam, bam, biggity, bam. Now the movie's still continuing. I'm like, good. They're finally starting to realize, like they did with Spider-Man Homecoming, that with these very popular heroes, unless you're legitimately changing their origin for the purpose of this, you don't really have to do it. And if you're going to do it, do it very fucking quickly. Yes, or even do it kind of in a stylistic way. That's fun. That that that's what and that's just one word that I keep coming back to with this movie is there were so many things it did that could where there could there were where there was potential to be cliches. And there were some cliches, but the movie's very self-aware in that it just had fun with it. Like you said, those origin stories, one after the other, kind of started the same way had the same beat, lasted for the same amount of time, but with slight differences so that you understood, okay, I can see why this person is a spider person, and I understand why this person is different. And they covered that in seconds and did it in a fun, stylistic way. Sometimes I was even laughing at the origin stories when it would start doing it. And every time they started it, I never rolled my eyes and was like, oh, God, here comes another origin reel. It was funny. It was different. And it was smartly written every single time, in my opinion. And and honestly, I also loved the fact that like the spider people that were the most important are the ones they gave a little bit more details for. And while the others, I don't want to necessarily demean them because I think they are fun characters, but they're not as important to the story. They're, they are more of side characters. And I love the fact that they still gave you their origins with like a little snappier pace to it. You know, like they didn't go as in depth with some of them. And but it was great. Like I said, I love the way they did it. They they tied it all into comic books, which fit the style of this movie so fucking like, well, I loved it. And it's it, it just it was really great the way they did that. Now, I will say this. Anytime you want to get me uh, a superhero origin like Blade did. That's my favorite superhero origin movie of all time is Blade because they literally cover his like origin in 10 seconds with a scrolling, uh, the scrolling words and Chris Christopherson or is it? Yeah, uh, it's either Wesley Snipes or Chris Christopherson. I need to watch it again soon or just reading it real quick. Give you give you the the big key points and then bam, all of a sudden, like when you first kind of see some action going down, he's already blade. He's just blading it up. It just goes. This is what we're doing. And now you're going to get what you want right now. And it's just Blade doing some Blade shit. Uh, and I like that. For the most part, they kind of set this up the same way. Not with like the monologue, but like 
And sometimes with some of these characters, that's kind of how they did it. They just went, hey, this is a new character. You might not know who they are. Here's the, you know, the key points of their origin. Bam, 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 bam. This character is in this movie now. Deal with it. Went, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all of those are are great observations. And, and yeah, I love that, too. How and I mean, just everything that you said there, like, you know, and especially um, talking about Blade, that was one of the cool things about Blade is that. It started, they found a different way to tell that story because, yes, he was already Blade. He was already cutting up and dicing and doing awesomeness. And so it just made the story a little more interesting. It just made the ride a little more fun. You didn't have to slow down for that slow pace of, oh, man, I'm discovering myself and uh, I'm a vampire and, oh, I'm having the thirst. Oh, no, what is this? You know, you got to skip all of that because it's... Yes, it can add something to the character story, but after seeing it so many times and seeing it done in so many different ways and seeing Spider-Man try to web but fail or hiding it from his friends or letting somebody know or or discovering himself. I mean, you know, we just seen that so many times. It it is so appreciative when they embrace a different way to tell the story. When someone's a little forward thinking and they're going, you know what? What's a different way that we can present this? And I think that is really the 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 great thing about this particular film is that it takes a lot of familiar things but just finds the most fun, inventive, and often just comedic and very just and often just very interesting ways to tell the same stories with characters that we're familiar with. So I can't say enough about how it was this movie was able to do that. And I'm pretty sure we'll get into some more stuff with the spoilers. But yeah, man. Yeah, I was just really feeling the presentation and and how many times this movie took a cliche and had fun with it and just said, I, we're not going to quite give it to you. Yes, we're going to give it to you. You know what this is. But look, we're going to give it to you in a funny way. We're going to give it to you in a stylish way. And I just appreciated that so much. Well, I will say this. When you were kind of describing what a Blade origin movie would have been if they had shown it, it kind of made me think something. That would have probably been the most interesting of any of those superhero origins because you would have essentially seen like a baby to a toddler to a teenager who has a bloodthirst their entire life growing up with that and the oh, chaos that would ensue from that. Like, because it was from the day he was that, yeah, born. That was a he great was idea. born that way. <laughs> like, that would be insane because it's instant conflict. Like, you yes. don't have to artificially, like, create it. That is inherently what that character is. So you would get to kind of see some years of him being, like I said, a baby, like, and a toddler growing up in foster care, nonetheless, because his mother died. So oh my he's growing up in foster care as a baby needing blood. Oh, growing my up gosh. as a toddler needing blood. Like, I mean, I already think toddlers are the most insane things to ever happen. They are just little demons incarnate. But to have that who is actually a vampire that can walk in the daylight and on top of that, have super strength. He would have super strength, too. Like, if he gets mad at a kid on the playground, he's going to kill the kid. Like, why hasn't this been done yet? See, no. Yeah. Now that I say that, that is the most like amazing origin movie they can do. Like all the way up till Whistler finds him as a teenager. You know, uh, yeah, on the streets, like killing people for blood. 
Like, yeah. Holy fuck. Like you would never need Wesley Snipes in that movie. Like, because it would just be him becoming that. And like, and that's where you could end it. You could, I mean, you could do him like have him do a little things and then you don't need a central villain. Cause like you could just towards the end of the movie, have Whistler training him a little bit and kind of sending him on his first kind of solo hunt and kind of end it with that. Like him just doing his first, like I'm Merkin vampires thing, man. I am writing this movie right now. Fucking a, this movie needs wow. to happen. I think I might've, a- you're right. I might've stumbled onto something that was kind of genius, but you know, even if it was a blade though, and it was just a movie about a van- a person that was born as a vampire and that struggle and that story. And I mean, I'm just thinking about all these scenarios that would totally suck for somebody who was a vampire growing up. Imagine the first crush he had on a girl or trying to take a girl out on a date. And the whole time, all you can think is, I'm hungry right now. And... I'm I'm extremely thirsty and she just I just want I like her but I'm probably just going to kill her but but by the end of this date like like I don't know like I just feel like there are even if you don't do that scenario there are so many great scenarios you could do with that I'm surprised that hasn't been written yet I'm surprised that has not been done cuz that sounds like a million dollar idea like I would I mean, love to watch that you know like i said it's instant conflict like you don't have to artificially create anything it's inherent into the thing and on top of that it's a world where the concept of vampires is real you know it's kind of like our world the concept of vampires is a real thing it's a popular culture thing but the idea of real vampires is you know crazy you know because that's how most people are in that movie whenever it's like the 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 real life person finds out about vampires they're just come on really really and so you would have this world where this kid is a vampire who is a daywalker on top of that. So he is like the, you know, most unique and, 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 and sought out awesome vampire there is. And he's has no rhyme or reason to anything. Like he wouldn't know why he's thirsty because he wasn't raised by, around other vampires. Yeah, You know, his would. mother for all intents and purposes died at the beginning of the movie. And if you haven't watched Blade yet, you're going to get spoilers. This movie came out in the nineties. So yeah, as far as he knows, his mother died, which she didn't, as you find out at the end of that movie. But like he was all, all on his own. Like that is just insanity. So fuck what I said earlier. If they had actually filmed that origin, that would have been the best origin movie of all time. Because holy fuck, like that's just it's it's like you said, it's insane. Like the idea of like even if you took like something now and just had a day walking vampire, but they were born that way and they're all on their own and trying to figure out what's what and. Like, that is great, great stuff. And you can always tie that into, like, that very nice coming-of-age story that would come from that, but just have it be even amplified to where this kid's going through puberty and he's a fucking vampire. Yeah, um, man. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that would be that's, awesome. I would totally love to see that. I mean, and that could be, man, that almost sounds like too great of an idea for just one film that almost might need to be a series i mean i would totally watch that i would binge watch that if you gave me 10 to 12 episodes of this person uh doing that growing up getting to a certain point and then you know season one could be childhood season two could be like maybe preteen and stuff like that and then you know on up into adulthood you could almost 
separate the seasons into just stages of his life or whoever it is and like go through. I mean, I think that would make an awesome series or it would make an awesome film. I really do think so. If if Disney Plus, because it would have to be on Disney Plus because, you know, they're not doing stuff with Netflix anymore. I mean, technically, there's still some coming out, but slowly but surely, they're no longer doing stuff on Netflix. So, you know, it'd be on Disney Plus. I think if they want to get into some slightly more mature content as it gets established, you know, make us pay two dollars more a month or whatever for it. I'll do it. I don't care. And so just do that. And like you said, do 10 episodes because shit's crazy whenever they start going more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think 10, 10 episodes is the perfect amount for these these seasons. So, uh, yeah, they need to do 10 episodes. And yeah, I think that w- that would be the most amazing thing ever. Like you said, do it as a series. Like so you can draw it out a little bit more and you can get more in depth with some of these things. I think that would just be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, but let's get back to Spider-Man. We, we went really yeah, far boy, off on that. We are way off. <laughs> I guess spoiler time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into spoilers. Um, I'll, 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 I'll start this part a little bit with, uh, they fucking killed people in this movie and they did it in an amazing way. And like, they didn't come back. <laughs> they, and they did, and they had no qualms doing it. And this was one thing I was going to say earlier, but I wanted to, just in case, save it for this part, is Chris Pine was the voice of the original Peter Parker in that universe. And so you had Chris fucking Prime or Pine, you know, a legit mega movie star. Yes. In this movie. And he only delivered like a a handful of lines here and there. Um, And that is him actually singing on the Spider-Man Christmas songs, too. Um, But yeah, they, they had Chris Pine and then they fucking killed him. That was fucking crazy. Yes. Um, Yes. But I loved it. I loved that they killed him because that was a slight red herring for me because I I thought the Joshua Jackson uh, Peter Parker was the Peter Parker from that universe from the trailers. Um, Yes, I did, too. They they pulled a fast one on us with that trailer. And you talked about this, how Marvel how sometimes they like to fool people. And I know that was normally we were talking about Marvel Studios, but I don't know. I feel like maybe the same technique was used here because, yeah, that was a fast one. Oh, yeah. And like, I loved that they did that because I loved how that fit more in with what I was saying earlier. And I I think I almost spoiled this part earlier when I was like when I was saying they needed a Spider-Man right then because they had a Spider-Man who was very much on top of things. People loved him. They loved him as Spider-Man. Like I said, he had a fucking Spider-Man Christmas album. They loved him as Spider-Man. Yes. And he got fucking murdered within like 10 minutes of this movie. And that's what I was talking about. Like, I love the fact that Miles Morales had to step up and be Spider-Man right away. Like he had to become Spider-Man because this universe was already built to have a Spider-Man and they lost him. And so now all these things that Spider-Man would be saving this universe from they didn't have a Spider-Man. And I loved the way they did that and set it up because that's very much the way they did it in the comics. Like I said, it's not 100% the same because Green Goblin kills that Peter Parker in that. But I loved the way they did this one. And I also loved that it added a little more uh, to the the slight backstory they had for the Kingpin, where with him and Vanessa, uh, with Vanessa and their son walking in on him fighting Spider-Man. Yes. And yes. they left and got killed in a car crash. So I love the fact that that was his motivation for doing this, you know, you know, you know, this multidimensional bridge uh, was to get his 
uh, wife and child back. But I also loved that it added that spite to Spider-Man. Like, for it added to his hatred of Spider-Man. It wasn't that just Spider-Man was messing up with his plans, so he killed him. It was, I blame Spider-Man for my wife and son dying. So, yeah, I murdered him. Yes. Yes. And I mean, it was just so sudden and it was just so quick. And I didn't believe it when I saw it. Like when you hear the boom and the bones crunch and, you know, whatever he did to Peter Parker. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, he's knocked out. He's unconscious. He's not dead because we've been trained that that's that is what we always see. Uh, the character is never dead. We're just, we have been trained to think that the character is still alive. And this being an animated film, I mean, come on. It just totally took me by surprise. And then the next thing I knew, we, we're at a funeral and Mary Jane is talking at a eulogy. And I'm like, what? He's dead? Like, and, and it and, hit me. And it's yeah. on the news. It's on the news that Spider-Man was Peter Parker. Like yes. they're announcing who this guy was yes. on the and they're announcing that news. he was on the news. And I was like, oh my God. And it was so awesome. Like I loved her speaking about him. I loved the fact that his identity was revealed after he died. And it was even cool people at the funeral with the Spider-Man mask on. It was about how you could see something like that happening. It, it was it was just very well done. And the whole time, as an audience member, you're in that same seat as them because you are shocked. Maybe even if it's more of an ex existential shock because you're like, they killed this character. But even still, it kind of puts you in the seat of the people at that moment. And, and I loved what they did with Miles in that scene where, you know, Miles happened upon, you know, what Spider-Man was doing and he had already had his powers. And I loved how that tied in later where he wanted to help Spider-Man, but couldn't at the time. And now that Spider-Man was dead and, you know, he had made some promises to, you know, a soon to be dead Spider-Man and all this other stuff that like that, that weighed on him. You know, that was his that was his big bin, uh, you know, dying moment was Spider-Man dying. Yes. Especially yes. And and I loved it because it wasn't the whole like, oh, I let a guy go and he happened to kill Spider-Man. No, he wanted to help Spider-Man, but didn't know how to. And he died. You know, he knew he had the powers to help him, but he didn't know how to. And I loved that as he was learning to use his Spider-Man powers, that's what helped guide him is he's like, now that I know how to use these powers, I can now help people and stop these things that I wanted to when I didn't know how to. I, I, I liked that that mentality with him. I thought that was a very great way of showing that. Um, I mean, it and, and like you were saying, but like some of these spoilers and everything like that, like and the fact that the Prowler dies later in the movie, which for people that don't know, I mean, you know, if you watch this movie and if you haven't watched this movie, and you're listening to this. You're insane, but cool. I'm totally down for that. Um, the Prowler is Miles Morales's uncle. Yes. Um, he uh, who was a. Uh, Voiced by the guy from uh uh from uh, Moonlight, Marisala uh, also, Ali, I want to say yes, yes. Which that's another great fucking actor that they got to voice in this movie because it's yes. fucking insane. Yes, um, and he's great. Like he's great as uh the Prowler in this. And can I say something about the badassery of the Prowler in this? Like I don't ever remember 
the Prowler being this awesome or visually stunning. Like, yeah, like normally when I see the Prowler, I'm going to use a wrestling term. I mean, I'm a wrestler, so why not? But normally the Prowler is kind of like a jobber in the comics. You know, he's one of those weaker guys that comes around and Spider-Man beats him up early in the early in the comic. And then the real problem reveals itself later. But no, man, they really, really gave me a whole new respect for this character and the musical score when he would come and attack that bruh, 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 bruh. There was this music when he would enter a scene and it was fantastic, dude. And I was like, this is the best version of the Prowler I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, they did. They took they took the Prowler from being a D-list villain because at best he was a D-list villain. And the only reason why he might have been moved up to C-list is because in the Ultimate Universe, He's Miles Morales's uncle. Like, that's really about it. Um, and the Prowler does become essentially a good guy later on in a lot of the comics. Like, he turns away from his life of petty crime and thievery because that's all he is. He's a thief. He turns away from that and kind of goes a little bit more down the street and narrow and, and, and is kind of a spider friend uh, in a lot of instances later. But no, he's a fucking stone cold assassin in this one. And I loved it. Like, he's a legit villain. He's a legit fucking threat in this. Uh, and it, it was so great the way they did that. And like, I mean, I loved it because essentially as soon as they had him in the movie, uh, I remember in the trailer seeing the Prowler at one point, but it didn't click that that was the Prowler at the time because he looks way better than he ever fucking does in the comics. Yes. Um, and so like, but when they have his uncle and as soon as he's like, you know, he goes down there and shows him that thing and he's like, oh, you know, oh, I found out this, you know, working as an engineer down here or, you know, and then when he's like, oh, hey, I got to go. I was like, oh, fuck, he's the prowler in this. Like, he's the prowler. Like, there's going to be some there's going to be that confrontation later between him and his nephew. And and I and I love the way they handled that, too. They handled it fucking perfectly. It wasn't cheap. It could have been so fucking cheap. Yes. Yes. But I loved the way they fucking handled it. Like, as soon as he like the prowler was legit going to fucking kill him. And then he like pulls off his mask and he's like, oh, fuck, this is my nephew. And, you, you know, and you can tell they have a great relationship. I mean, it might not be the best relationship as far as like morals go, because he's like, yeah, nephew, let's, you know, break out of your school and let's go, you know, do some graffiti. I'm going to support you in breaking the law. But <laughs> it was but it was a good relationship still like they had a bond. And yes, you know, so that scene when Miles Morales finds out that the, the, the prowler is his uncle, you legitimately feel like it breaks his heart. Like he feels like he is heartbroken by his uncle being that person. And then when they do fight, you know, he he's trying to avoid him. He's he's trying to not have to fight his uncle. And then, like I said, when he catches him and the prowler's about to fucking kill him and he pulls up his mask a little bit and he, you know, his uncle sees who he is and he's just like, oh, fuck. Like you could tell, like in that movie, it legitimately felt like the prowler was having that, like, come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And it's an animated movie. I'm like, how the fuck does an animated movie legitimately portray a come to Jesus moment? And yes. they did it. Yeah. And then he gets shot instantly by the kingpin. Yes. So they wasting don't even get to, like, no do anything. time. Yes. Wasting absolutely no time. You hesitated. I'm killing you now. Like this kingpin was just a man possessed. I mean, he really was. Yeah. And then instantly kills the prowler. And then, he, you know, he 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 escapes with his uncle's body 
And I just, I loved that scene. Like just everything about that, like, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say fed more into the motivations of Miles Morales, but it, it really was a very strong emotional moment because it, it led to a genuinely good moment between him and his dad later. Uh, that was, that was such an, I, I loved that scene too. I'm like, for, for as much as this was like this animated comic book movie, it really hit you in the fucking heart. Like it was Pixar. Like, damn. yeah, <laughs> it had no problem hitting you with emotional punches nonstop throughout this movie. And just at the weirdest fucking times, I mean, and some of it, yes, at that point, that's, you know, that's the climax between, you know, the second and third acts. Of course, they're going to hit you with that moment then. But like, the, like I said, Spider-Man dying in the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie, they had no problems hitting you with these, these beats. And that was one thing I loved about this fucking movie is that, it took more chances than I've seen any fucking Marvel movie ever take. Yes, that's true. That is very true. I, I mean, mean, it threw it. It had the craziest fucking characters you'll see in a Marvel movie. It had it killed off a beloved character very early in this movie. And yes, I know it had the replacements built into the plot already. But fuck it. It did that. Like I said, it brought in Spider-Ham. Like, you know, yeah. that's the equivalent of. Howard the Duck legitimately being a main character in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> that's a great comparison. That's true. Because that's who Spider-Man or Spider-Ham is. Spider-Ham is the Howard the Duck of Spider-Man. And they use him as a, as a very comedic and weird character. But they took that chance. And at no point did they ever apologize for it. Like, the thing I love about this movie is... In a lot of ways, your average, I know Spider-Man because I've seen some cartoons and I've seen some movies, moviegoers have a very good chance of being lost in this movie. Uh, I don't think they will be because of the way the movie handled this stuff, because like we said earlier, it handles character introductions very well. Um, and I think it would, it rewards moviegoers for taking that chance, you know, for, you know, essentially dealing with a movie that has spider ham in it, you're very much rewarded with it. Uh, or the, uh, the, the little girl with the Spider-Man robot. That's a fucking crazy character. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got a telepathic connection to a spider. Holy fuck. Is that weird? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's even weirder than spider ham being a spider bit by a radioactive pig. I know a lot of people think it is otherwise. No, no, no. He was a spider bitten by a radioactive pig. Uh, <laughs> It goes a little bit crazier because in the in the comic books, he also finds essentially uh, like a senile old lady pig and convinces her that uh, he's her nephew just so he can live with her. Uh, that's the Aunt May <laughs> character in that. Um, and it's because and it makes sense because he was a spider. You know, he can no longer be a spider because he's now a spider pig. Uh, so, you know, he had to find a pig to live with. Um, so, you know, but it's it's a crazy fucking character. But holy fuck, this little girl has a telepathic link to a spider who helps control a fucking robot spider that she sometimes get in, sometimes remote controls. I guess sometimes the spider controls it, too, because otherwise I don't see the point in having the telepathic connection to a spider that's in the suit if the spider doesn't control something in it. But yeah, it's it's fucking bonkers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Spider-Man Noir. Who was voiced very amazingly by Nick Cage, by the way. Yeah, Nick Cage. Nick Cage, baby. Nick Cage. And I love that he's from a universe that's black and white. It's not that he's just a black and white character. No, no, no. Everything in his universe is black and white. Yes. And, and the whole thing with the, with the Rubik's Cube and yes. him unable to see the colors. 
genius shit, man. Genius. And I, I'm not going to lie. I felt bad about getting enjoyment out of that because I was like, that is a low hanging fruit joke. Like, that is a <laughs> low hanging fruit joke. It really is. But fuck does it work so damn well in this movie. I mean, it, it, it's like you said, it fits. It fits in this movie. Unlike the same low hanging fruit jokes that Venom had. Yes, I am going to say that because fuck those jokes. Those were terrible. This one was great. Like I said, it, of course, they're going to fucking use a Rubik's Cube. Like, that's the thing. Of course they are. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, that's the thing is, why wouldn't you use that joke? It's just so in your face with, of course, they're doing this joke. But it just, it fucking fit. And I, I'm, I giggled. I giggled a little bit when it happened. You know, I had a little <laughs> chuckle. And I hated myself because I was like, fuck, I knew that was coming too. Like, at no point was I surprised by that joke. I was like, no, this joke is happening. And I still <laughs> chuckled at it. and. I mean, and it shows like that it's still rewarding when you know what's coming, you know. And I mean, with this movie, though, like I said, it it took chances like, fuck, they used the ultimate Green Goblin who legitimately is a gigantic dragon fucking goblin monster. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that scorpion. Fuck, that was a cool ass scorpion. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like the scorpion with the almost like the humanoid scorpion. Is that a version in some comic somewhere? Because I didn't recognize that scorpion. I I didn't either, but I, it fucking worked. It was an awesome ass scorpion. Yeah, he was. Um, he was pretty badass. And, and same with uh, the Doc Ock in this. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a small change. She's a woman in this. Cool. It worked really well. I, but I love the way they did her arms. Yes, then, it was. They were made of some sort of different material, weren't they? Like, yeah, it was. It it almost looked like they were like inflatable tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Type of situation instead of being metal. But I liked that because I liked how in a way she seemed a lot more fluid with them, like kind of like what you would think with an octopus. Uh, so I really liked the way they did that. I thought that was a really great way of doing that. And Catherine Hahn, ah, she was fucking great for that, too. Uh, I, I loved her voice for that for that character. It was She's such an underrated actress. I love her in 99% of things she's ever in. But she was so fucking good as that voice, too. And I and of all the characters, she actually looked the most like her character. Uh, yeah. You can tell that they based her character a little bit off of her. And I loved her. that. And then uh, you had, what, Haley Steinfeld as Spider-Gwen, which I'm, of all the characters that I saw on there today that, that do legitimately come from legitimate comic books and stuff like that, Spider-Gwen is the one I'm the least familiar with. Um, I knew the very basics of her story. Essentially, it's the same as Spider-Man, but instead of Gwen Stacy dying, Peter Parker died. Yes. Uh, I knew that. I knew that version of her story. I didn't realize that that was her big bin moment was that, which that was a cool twist. I did like that. Um, but I, I, I really loved I really love that character. And now I'm kind of upset that I don't know that much about Spider-Gwen. I'll say this about that movie. It's probably going to make me buy some Spider-Gwen comics. Yes. And there, um, and let me just comment on her costume. I love that costume with that um, with that hoodie overhead that she kind of has and the black and white. I just love that costume design. Um, and if and, I and if I and understand. The yeah, the ballet. Yes, yes. And I loved how she moved in the film because she even fought like that a lot of athleticism twirling and spinning around enemies like you could even see it in the way that she was fighting villains so that was cool that was a very nice touch 
No, oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I'm going to I'm going to have to go look at, you know, I'm 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 going to go read some Spider-Gwen because of this. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about that character, but I just I still never had that interest. I'm not the biggest of Spider-Man fan or yeah. But uh that character seemed really fucking cool though. I really want to read some more of that. Uh and and to going back to uniforms, like another twist on it, man, I fucking wanted so bad for Miles Morales to keep that hoodie on when he first like spray painted the Spider-Man costume black. Yes. And he yes. had that hoodie on. Oh, fucking man. Him to keep that hoodie on. Oh, that Still was fucking bad. boss, man. That that shit looked so legit. And I love that, too. The spray painting of the spider symbol. Like he looked absolutely legit. And I love that, that spray paint, because that was a nice little uh, character intricacy for him that was added to the suit. And I just loved that. Oh, yeah, it was it was so fucking good. And oh, and, and the Aunt May, too. We can't not forget to talk about this Aunt May. This Aunt May was amazing. Yes. Um, an Aunt May who's in on it. An Aunt May who knows and was in on it and helped uh peter parker the one that died beforehand nice touch great it was great to see that almost like an alfred wouldn't you say in a way yeah oh yeah yeah and i i I loved how when these other spider people show up her her nephew is dead the peter parker and spider-man she knows is dead and she knows he's dead everything like she like it's dead and these other spider people come up and i love that she didn't make any of them surrogates but like you said, she played that Alfred role to them, like that, just that that extra helping hand that you could tell she got at least some joy back, knowing that the legacy of her nephew could continue on. Yes. And she yes. could still play a slight part in that, you know, for like the best of reasons, too. It wasn't like a selfish reason. You know, she's not like latching on to Miles, you know, like, oh, you're going to be my new nephew now. She's like, no, I'm going to help you. And I loved that. And and Lily, what's her name? Lily uh, Thompson. Thomason, however the fuck you say her name, was amazing as her voice, too. It, it took me a little bit. Tomlin. To, Lily, to Lily, Lily Tomlin, I want to say. Yes. yes, yes. Lily Tomlin. Yes. And it took me a little bit to figure out her voice. It just it sounded so incredibly familiar, but I just couldn't quite put a face on it. And at one point, though, she was talking. I was like, oh, fuck. The secretary from the Beverly Hills, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Um which that's my first introduction to her. So don't hate on me for that. It's just instantly where my mind jumps. Cause that's the first time I legitimately remember her being in something. Um, but no, she was such a great addition to this. Like, and in going to what you were saying earlier with the score too, like I loved the music in this movie. I know a lot of people might have issues with a superhero movie with a very hip hop oriented, uh, music going through it, but fuck it fit this movie so fucking well. And I love the little nod to Chance the Rapper in the, on the on one <laughs> of his posters. Instead of it being <laughs> yeah. the three hat, it was the four. Um, but no, just that that music really fits so fucking well with this movie too. And 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 the character of Miles Morales, you know, it just kind of gave it that a little bit more authenticity because it it it, it sounded like the music that Miles Morales would listen to uh, with the character yeah. that they portrayed in this movie. It felt like that. And with him being the main focus of this movie, it really just added that much more to it because it's it's kind of like they used his playlist to do the, the music for this movie. And that was so fucking cool. Yes, yes. And one more character I just have to speak on because 
I feel like he was my absolute favorite character, but the Peter B. Parker, the fuck up Spider-Man, I absolutely loved this character. Like, I just could not get enough of this character. Like, I loved how different his story was from the Peter Parker that had passed away. I liked the idea of the Spider-Man who was liked and everything and then every and was a great hero and then everything fell apart. And he divorced Mary Jane and he had gained weight because he was depressed and kind of dealing with that and he felt like he had messed it up and sort of had to overcome that. I just loved that character and I loved all of his interactions with Miles Morales. I loved how reluctant he was to show or teach Miles Morales anything. He just kind of wanted to do things himself and get out of there. I love kind of the selfish nature of him and how and ultimately he seems he doesn't seem like a great person. But then when the going got tough, that hero came out. And as we got to see more of him and his true colors, you understood that he was a good guy, too. He just had gone through some things. I absolutely loved that character. I wish if that character has comics, like you said about Spider-Gwen, I would totally read that shit. And the actor, Jake Johnson, that voiced him, man, did a fantastic job. Great delivery and a lot of awkward lines, a lot of different situations excellent delivery from that voice actor and i and i'm so glad you actually said his correct name because i think i said josh jackson earlier uh you know the i don't want to say folk singer but that indie singer from a few years ago i think i said him instead um so thank you for uh actually saying it right that's really good um but no i i, I totally agree with you i loved that and i love that he still kind of kept his sense of humor even when he was at his low points yes um because that's a very spider-man thing to do uh to just kind of still make everything a slight joke um but no i i loved it and i loved the, like you said the running joke they had of everybody calling him fat um, <laughs> yes yes it, it really it really could have gone a very bad way it could have gotten very repetitive but i i loved the way they handled it i loved how every time someone else said it to him he responded in a different way uh you know and and I loved that interaction he had with that universe as Mary Jane, because, you know, like you said, he had divorced Mary Jane and he was very you know, broken and, and beaten up by that. And like he said, he had been Spider-Man, I think, 12 years longer than that universe as Spider-Man had. Yeah. So I think in his origin, they, he said he had been Spider-Man for like 22 years. Yes. Whereas the other Spider-Man said he was Spider-Man for 10 years. Uh, so it was also like that aspect of it, that he was so downtrodden from being Spider-Man. And one of the small, but I thought greatest parts of that movie is when that universe is Peter Parker found out Mar uh, Miles Morales had pow powers and he was, you know, about to die and everything. He was like, well, you have the powers, so you have to Spider-Man. And then whenever Miles meets uh, Peter B. Parker and he was like, he's like, I have these powers. And he's like, yeah, you should definitely stop being Spider-Man still, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it, it just small little thing but I, it was just that like the duality of it all like the happy spider-man versus the downtrodden spider-man who had kind of lost his way you know because that's very much against the teachings of of ben parker and but i loved it as the movie went he relearned it he relearned his with great power comes great responsibility and and like i was saying earlier though i i loved his interactions with that mary jane in that universe who had no idea who he was, 
and all this other stuff. And I thought I was like, oh, fuck, when they started doing that, I thought it was going to be like that scene in Infinity War when uh, Star-Lord gets mad at Thanos and ruins the plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That version of everything, like uh, he sees Mary Jane and he becomes just so one track minded on her that he's going to ruin the plan because of that. And I liked it, how it just became a very genuine, like cathartic moment for him. Like he just needed that little bit to kind of regain himself just a little. Yes. To to, to help plan go go forward. And that that was the nice little touch with it that, you know, he didn't ruin anything with it. It was just a genuine moment that that fit his character, because based on what you had seen with his character, that is something he needed. He just needed that little bit of of remembrance of his old life just to to keep going and to, to make it through it all. And and that's all that moment was. And I thought that was great how they handled that. Because a lot of times in this movie, every time I thought they were going to go one way, because that was the cliche and normal reason, like normal way to go. This movie did not go those ways. And I thought that was really great. Yes. Yes. And even when it would give you something familiar, it just had a fun way of doing it. Like, I love the scene where Miles Morales is, you know, he's full of determination and he's climbing these stairs going up this building and it's doing this dramatic music and then he gets on top of the building and it's time for him to make that spider-man leap and test his abilities and see if he can leap across that building and do this and it does this dramatic music and it's all brum brum the music is kind of reaching that crescendo moment and it looks like he's gonna jump and then the scene cuts and he's going back down the stairs like, uh-uh, I can't do this. And he's just going down yeah. the stairs. And that was just such a great moment. And then, of course, he sucks it up. He goes back up there and then he makes the jump. And then even the jump didn't quite go as well. But I just loved that. I just loved how they 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 wanted you knew that what this was, you knew it was going to be that moment of him having to try that and get over his fear but they just found such a fun way to do it and it was just things like that are nice touches all over this movie yeah it's it's those moments that you know even whenever they did go into a cliche moment they had a really great way of just making it feel at home it 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 felt it it felt like it, it was supposed to be there not that it had to be there but it was supposed to be there you know the just those small little touches like this is in a lot of ways, one of the most like thorough movies I've seen with a lot of that stuff, you know, they just you could tell from just the beginning processes to the final product. A lot of care went into this movie. A lot of people legitimately cared about what they were doing with this and doing it in a very specific way. You know, this art style for this movie isn't new. Like it's they they took a lot of old elements, but. They, they presented it in a package that was just fully realized. I guess yes. that's what I've been trying to say. Fully it's, it's realized. Full, it's a fully realized. That's a great production, word. You know, and, the, you know, there were some things I, like, I didn't like about it. Like, I didn't like how sometimes some of the words in the background were blurry. Uh, kind of giving you that, that look of if you're watching a, a, a 3D movie without 3D glasses on, especially the older uh, red and blue glasses. <laughs> you would get these weird red and blue tints to things. Sometimes that movie got a little heavy with those, and that bothered me a little bit. Uh, and it's but- funny that you mentioned that just really quick because I watched it with a friend, and he made that exact comment that you made. He was like, "It felt like watching a 3D movie at times 
without the glasses, things were blurry and I couldn't quite keep up. So that's a legit point. Like I, a friend of mine said the exact same thing when we walked out of there. See, I, I only had the problem because I mainly noticed it for background stuff or maybe it only bothered me for some of the ancillary background stuff. Cause there was one scene where they had the name of a building on the side of it. And that was very washed out and blurry on that name. And you know, it was very much intentional because everything in this movie is very intentional. Um, and like I said, but it was a small little nitpick. Like it was one of those things like I noticed and I went, oh, and then the scene changed. and I didn't care anymore. Like I'm only bringing up because we're legitimately talking about this movie. So I feel like this is a good place to bring it up. But like if, if they did a sequel to this and they did the same exact thing, I wouldn't be bothered. I mean, like I said, I'll notice it, but it's not going to detract from it. I'm like, oh, they didn't fix that problem for the sequel. No, fuck it. Keep it in. Like you've, you've already <laughs> established it. Keep it going. Uh, I mean, just like overall, I, I really do. I think this was a great movie. Um, it was a very surprising movie. Uh, like I said, it took a lot of chances. Um, it introduced a lot of things. Like there was this little kid in the theater uh, I was in. And I mean, that little fucker wouldn't shut up. But I kind of understand it because he was a little fucking kid. And this wasn't just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that everybody's used to, you know. You got a lot of things in this. Uh, so I understand like a little kid getting lost. Like if you haven't seen this movie and you're at this point and you're wondering whether or not you should take your kid, I would probably not take a kid younger than eight or nine. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's and it's not necessarily because somebody dies in it. It's just because this story is a little bit more complex than you would typically expect from an animated Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to process. I mean, it's it very much is for people that are, like I said, nine and above, I think could really handle some of the, you know, the complexities of this movie. It's not that it's hard to follow, but it's just those types of story elements might lose a little kid, you know, and that's nothing against little kids. It's just they haven't been uh, exposed th to things like this a lot, you know, with the ideas of multiple dimensions and there being, you know, seven different Spider-Man throughout this movie, you know, so it's just to kind of help them understand i mean i'm sure they'll like it i mean this little kid didn't seem bothered by it too much because it was you know there was a lot of spider-man-y shit and there's some bright colors up on the screen so i'm sure the little kid liked it enough um it's just you know to legitimately get the most out of it i'd say somebody like eight or nine but no it's just i think it was a phenomenal movie i thought every step of the way this movie knew where it was going and it went there and it 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 will reward you for taking the ride for giving this movie a chance and taking the ride that this movie presents you will be rewarded at the end for this movie and yeah. i think that's a lot to say for this um i mean i'll say honestly i'll give this movie oh i might regret this later but i'm going to give this movie 92 really super badass prowlers out of 100 and i would totally recommend people go see this movie Wow, I think this might be the first time in history that we had the exact same score because I was also thinking 92 and I was like, should I change it just so we can be different? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to stay right there. I I'm in agreement for the first time. I think that we have agreed on the exact same score. But yeah, I've got it also 92 um, Peter B. Parker's scarfing down some yummy pizza out of a hundred because this was i mean this is very good and i can definitely understand the conversation about this being the best animated film of the year 
I can definitely understand the conversation about this being one of the best comic book movies. Well, one of the best well, here, here. comic book I, movies I, I wanna, I this year. Oh, go ahead. I want to stop you at this point. No, no, because these are actually things I was going to ask you next. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I would okay. ask, like, all right, so best animated movie. So up until this point, it was Incredibles 2. Yes. And if you don't agree with that, fuck off everybody. Incredibles 2 was the best animated movie, at least yes. until this point. Yeah. Would you say this is better than Incredibles 2? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yes. I have to give it to it, man. Yes. I, See, I think it's better. I think it is. By in, a hair. Incredibles like, 2. This is a hair. Like, if Incredibles 2 had come out 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been. Like, say both of these movies came out 10 years ago. Incredibles 2 would have been the better of that. Yeah. But Incredibles 2 gets a, a few points knocked off onto it because I had to wait a billion fucking years for that movie to fucking come out. Fuck you, Pixar. That is you true. You made me wait too long. And I was a little bitter. But... It's still a fucking fantastic movie, but I would, I would, I would agree with you on this, that this movie I think is better than Incredibles 2. Yeah. And, and it's not by much, but it won the race. Like if they were both lined up on the track, it's like that, that runner that leans out and he crosses the line just before that other runner. And that runner was right there, but he didn't lean. So he didn't get across the line. It's like that close. But I have to give it to it, man. This hit me harder, man. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This hit me harder than Incredibles did. The story was just a little more impactful. And I just felt happier coming out of this. It was a little more surprising. And it just felt, I felt so good coming out of this. And I just didn't feel as good when I came out of Incredibles. I knew I saw something great. I was like, oh man, that was awesome. But no, man, I have to give it to this. It just, it edges it out for me. Well, and I, I think part of it for me is the fact that Incredibles 2 was a, a phenomenal movie. It was a great sequel to Incredibles, which is one of my all-time favorite animated movies in general. Pick, uh, Incredibles is just fucking perfection to me. And the fact that I had to wait that long to get a sequel that was that good for it, whereas then this movie had the benefit of being surprising to me. I knew Incredibles 2 was going to be good because I'm Brad Bird was back and it's Incredibles 2. Like I knew it was going to be good. So it didn't surprise me. You know, I was just slightly, like I said, disappointed because I had to wait so fucking long for it. But this movie has the extra benefit of the fact that everything in it fucking surprised me. Like I was not expecting anything I got in this movie. So it, it gets rewarded for that just because it, it exceeded any expectation I could have had because I didn't really have any. And it, like I said, it, it rewards you for taking that chance on it. And that's what this. And I think that goes to what you were saying, why you maybe felt a little better, because honestly, you feel more rewarded. Yes. Yes. I think you're right about that. Yeah. All right. So now where would you rank that as far as superhero movies go this year? I mean, uh, your main ones really being Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. Oh my gosh. Um, oh man. Yikes. I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, man, do, do I just make a knee jerk? Okay. From a movie standpoint, it, it's definitely better than Infinity War. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put it over Infinity War. Yes, Infinity War, it, it's not going to make the money of that. It's not going to have, it may not have the lasting impact of that. But as a movie, objectively speaking, it is a better film. Objectively speaking, it is a better film. And when I look at it versus Black Panther, 
and I hate to say this because I have been on Black Panther's proverbial nuts. Like I've been, I I was the, an advocate for it. Whenever we did our what's the best Marvel movie, MCU movie lineup, I argued for Black Panther. Um, Black Panther's up for all these awards and all this stuff is going to happen. It's receiving all these accolades. So Black Panther will always have that. But man, objectively speaking, when I look at Black Panther, first and second, third act, and I look at this first, second and third act, the third act in this is stronger than Black Panther's third act. It is. It's just it just works, man. Like everything works. And at pound for pound, this is a better movie, man. It's a better movie. And that's hard for me to say, but it is. I'm sorry. It, it is. And I mean, I know as far as movies execs and movie execs go, putting a woman or a black person as the lead character of your big budget movie is considered, you know, being very risky. Um, hopefully Wonder Woman and Black Panther and the upcoming Captain Marvel, which I, I do think looks super great. Hopefully these movies, especially if Captain Marvel does live up to, to its hype, these movies teach them that that doesn't matter when it honestly comes down to it. It's the story that matters. If you present a fucking movie that's good, it will get what it deserves. You know, um, I mean, and I'm not saying that all good movies are blockbuster hits or all blockbuster hits are good movies because that's definitely not the case because Venom made just stupid amounts of money and it's yes. a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, it is terrible. But and so the Transformers movies, holy fuck, those movies have made stupid amounts of money in their fucking garbage but but even if black panther wasn't a box office success if it was the same movie and just a lot of people didn't buy tickets to it i think it would have became not necessarily a cult movie but it would have gotten a very diehard following either way i think i think black panther advocates would have it would have found that market to that would have made it worth it nonetheless um Mm -hmm. but this movie i legitimately do think as far as stories go as far as just in general, somebody walking into the pitch meeting of this fucking movie. That was ballsy. That was fucking risky. Yeah. Because on paper, this movie is fucking insane. And I am super happy they actually allowed them to make this. You know, introducing multiple Spider-Mans, having your main character being the non-white Spider-Man. You know, all these fucking things. Like, this movie took a lot of chances with that. Yes. That... I mean, you, you have your just traditional Spider-Man fans that could have gotten lost, not knowing some of these stories, things like that. Like you're introducing things that people aren't in mainstream America aren't familiar with. And you're asking them to accept it out of nowhere. Uh, and I think this movie took those. I took more important risks on top of that. It didn't kill the fucking villains at the end of the fucking movie. Yeah, it didn't. My biggest problem. My biggest fucking problem with Black Panther. Now. I will say this, Killmonger's death is 90 billion times better and more poignant than any other Marvel villain's death. Yes, yes, true. Instantly, like, it's, it, it didn't feel like they just didn't know what else to do. It, it definitely had a purpose and an impact. But this movie, I mean, this movie really showed up Infinity War by killing Spider-Man and it being a legit, emotional, and non- forced bullshit fucking experience oh he uh, went there he went there okay this is oh go ahead all right, russo brothers this is how you fucking kill a spider-man and it be good okay damn watch this fucking movie this is how you kill spider-man and it matter and speaking of spider-man 
I, I got to throw this question. I'm going to throw this one at you. You threw two at me. I get to throw one at you. Is this the best Spider-Man movie ever made? This is out of no. every single Spider-Man. No. Okay, which one? Why not? And which one is it? It ties with Homecoming. It is, okay. it is okay. better than all the other Spider-Man. It ties with Homecoming. Because ultimately, I, 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 I have to... like I, Legitimately, is it better than Homecoming? Probably. But the fact that for me, not being a huge fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films at all, liking Amazing Spider-Man but then hating it after seeing Amazing Spider-Man 2 because they ruined every single ounce of potential yes. and goodwill they set up in the first one. Yes, they, they destroyed did. instantly in the second one. My God, they did. Every single fucking thing I liked about that first one, they they shat on in the second one. And not even like, like a healthy shit. No, like dysentery, ripping your bowels apart shit all over every good thing they set up in that first one. <laughs> And so oh, since after like that's it ruined the first one for me. Ever since I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, I've had a lot of strong problems. I've only seen Amazing Spider-Man once since I watched that. And that was for when we did our like catch-ups for uh Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh when I did those cuz I did the the Amazing Spider-Man ones. And it it really did it fucking taints that for me. I think I still gave it a good like a good enough a decent score. Uh when we did it, but like looking back on it, I'm like, oh no, I, I had watched before Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. I watched Amazing Spider-Man 1 kind of on a semi-regular basis, like maybe once every six months. You know, I liked it. And then since I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, I hadn't watched it until I was forced to essentially. And then I'm looking back on it and I'm like, no, it ruined it. Fuck that movie. It's garbage. It's right up there with the <laughs> Rami's films. They're all fucking garbage. <laughs> and, and that's why I kind of have that special spot for Homecoming because that was the first time for me, legitimately, from beginning to end, I 100% enjoyed a Spider-Man film. Yeah. That was the yeah. first time I had gotten that. Uh, so that's what kind of elevates it to this, this Spider-Verse level. You know, wh why they're kind of one in the same for me. Because legitimately, I'm like, oh, no, there can be good Spider-Man movies. So this didn't surprise me as much. Whereas Homecoming did surprise me. And fuck, Michael Keaton was amazing, too. Oh my gosh! It had yes. the better villain. Well, yeah. Well, Kingpin was amazing in this. He was amazing in this, and and so so was the Prowler. So was the Scorpion. So was the Doc Ock. They were all great villains in this. But that Michael Keaton Vulture, holy shit, man! That and was the scene, fucking great. And, and the scene where Spider Man is in the car, the 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 ride to prom is just such an amazing and powerfully acted so much tension i mean that is such an amazing scene i mean that is it is hard to top something like that like that was just that that was a fantastic scene man like that that is just i would never forget that scene i would never forget that scene that that was the only time in spider-man history i've liked the villain finding out how spider-man or who spider-man was like, that's the only time yeah. I liked the way it happened. Because other than that, I fucking hate most of it because it's all stupid, you know, and especially in the Spider-Man movies, because it's because they're ripping their fucking masks off every nine fucking seconds. Like, was it really that hard to breathe in those fucking masks that you had to take it off every nine seconds? Yeah. Yeah. And I hated that about those other films because I know it's on that actor shit. Like, 
it's the actor or it's the director thinking, well, this is my lead actor, so I have to have his face. I have to have him doing stuff. But it's not faithfulness to the character, man. That's faithfulness to an actor. Well, it's it's, it's Sylvester Stallone and Judge Dredd because yes. Judge Dredd, Judge Dredd is notorious in the comics for never fucking taking off his helmet ever, ever. His fucking face is covered. 100% of the time. I think there's like one panel ever where he doesn't have his helmet on. Uh, yeah. But he always has the helmet on. And what happened when S- Sylvester Stallone made Judge Dredd? It's Sylvester Stallone. So you fucking take that helmet off so you can see Sylvester Stallone's face. Mm-hmm. And that's why they did it. It was Sylvester Stallone. So that's why his fucking helmet off was off for 99% of that fucking movie. And that's why Carl Urban is an amazing treasure for the fucking universe, because when he did Judge Dredd, he was like, I'm not taking off my fucking helmet ever. Yes. Yes. And that movie and was I will badass. I need that. to watch that again. It has been too long since I've seen that movie. And it's such a small thing, really. It really is. It's a small little touch that it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, yes, everything about Dredd is infinitely better than Judge Dredd, hands down. But on that note, though, it really is a small change. One wears a helmet, one doesn't. Within itself, that is a small change, but it makes all the difference in the world. And I think by, you know, while, you know, Tom Holland is in his 20s, he legitimately looked like a high schooler. So it fit like it. it, It's a small change like, oh, casting somebody that's actually age appropriate. Holy shit. Who would have thought? And it was a small change, but it it, it makes it better. Um, And in, in this movie, just, you know, the fact that they they. They kept it mainly accurate. Now, is this 100% the same as the comics for the Spider-Verse? No, because there's like hundreds of Spider-Man in that shit. And they're going to introduce more of them later. That's the whole point of the sequel. I think they're talking about doing a sequel and introduce some of the other ones. Like there's a punk rock Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Punk. Uh, yep. <laughs> there, There's a British Spider-Man that's got the Union Jack on him Um, and all kinds of things. I mean, and, and something else that we haven't really talked about, the end credit scene. Um, which was awesome. <laughs> yes, which was a little nod because I was really kind of surprised they didn't bring him in. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Spider-Man uh, 2099, who, when he was an actual comic book character, was hot garbage because everything about the 2099 universe was hot fucking garbage because it was the most 90s fucking bullshit you could have outside of like a Rob Liefeld <laughs> fucking comic, which if you don't know who that is, that's the guy that uh, created Deadpool and like Cable. So, you know, really terrible feet, massive muscles, guns that are logistically way too big to ever fucking exist and more pouches than anybody knows what to fucking do with ever. That's kind of what the 2099 universe was. It was just 90s bullshit. Um but then later, I want to say it was around the time of Shattered Dimensions, which was a Spider-Man video game. Not necessarily a good video game, but around that time, they brought Spider-Man 2099 back and they kind of brought him back a little bit in some of the comics and stuff like that. And they just, you know, took this character and just made him not shitty. Uh, but he's a very well-known Spider-Man, at least with comic book fans. Everybody knows if you're a comic book fan and you've read Spider-Man ever, you probably know who Spider- Spider-Man 2099 is. You've seen that character. Uh, so I, I liked that they finally added him in. And it was Oscar fucking Isaacs. There was his voice. Like That's another one where you have this amazing actor doing this voice for something that was a very small part of this movie. Um, 
But yeah, so I'm I'm hoping he plays a way bigger part in the next one because he was the one Spider-Man I I did kind of feel was missing a little bit in this. But maybe the second one will save it. We we can only hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you I I really don't think this needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. If you guys can't tell, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that both me and Justin uh, recommend this movie. Yeah, so everybody should go fair. watch it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yes go and see if you have seen it let us know what you think um i really kind of want to see a version of this with venom i kind of want to see them throw a venom into this uh or a carnage or i mean honestly I, I i feel with the way they handled this i i would even like to see some maybe some other c and d list villains like i would maybe kind of want to see a hydro man in this or a sandman uh a craven i think craven would be really cool in this universe um oh yeah craven yeah that would be great I, I, I think the way they handled this, I think they did a very, very cool thing. And I, I really am. I'm really excited if they do another one. Uh, yeah, yeah. This I was completely caught off guard by this movie. And kudos, kudos to Sony for doing this. Um, and I really hope to see more. Yeah. And just to, I mean, really not to just beat a dead horse, but yes, this is this, this is a very good film. And like we said, and I believe it's true that the, there were quite a few animated films that came out. There was Incredibles 2. There was Wreck it. There was the Ralph Breaks the Internet. And that's pretty good, too. And there was uh, the Antarctic uh, Littlefoot, I want to say, also came out this year. Um, and I, I didn't get to oh, see small that. Foot. Small Foot. There it is. Small Foot. Small foot. Littlefoot is something else, isn't it? Or I'm, I'm, maybe I'm making that up. But um. That's the dinosaur from Land Before Time. Land Before Time. Ah, okay. Okay, that's why. Okay, Smallfoot. Sorry about that. But, you know, those movies came out and then there was this. And I believe there was a Teen Titans go to the movies, something like that. And that and that guy yeah. had a good reputation too. But this, in my humble opinion, is the best animated film that has come out all year. It's distinct look, the colorful way that it tells the story, the risk that they take that Sterling talked about, this is a total package. This is a total package. It, it really is. It has everything that a movie like this needs to have. And it's Spider-Man and it's, and it's, and it's just encapsulates why we like that character so much, why that character is so revered. And it really says something about how, about why the character matters so much, why the character of Spider-Man matters so much, regardless of how different he is or what universe he's from. That character that we love so much, th there's a reason why we love that character. And these people that did this film, and I believe there's three different directors, weren't there? Three different directors listed? as the that directed this film so that's interesting too that three different people directed but yeah they they came together and they combined and this was awesome so yes this is a must see for any spider-man fan and especially for any comic book fan out there do not sleep on this like we almost did be surprised like us go see the movie yeah i mean and i'll say this i think this is probably, unfortunately for it, only going to be the best animated movie I've watched for maybe another two months. And I do think it'll get beat in two months because that's when How to Train Your Dragon 3 comes out. Oh my gosh, and that looks awesome. <laughs> and like we talked about on the, the Jamie podcast, I am all about those movies. So, I mean, and this legitimately, it could be like objectively better, but 
if How to Train Your Dragon 3 lives up to maybe 70% of its potential, I'll probably think it's better. I'm just going to say that now. Uh, no offense to you, Spider-Verse, but I'll, I'll take that. I'll take a 70% version of uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3, because I think overall they'll still make the trilogy fucking amazing. Um, other than that, oh, well, I, I, I do want to say this right before we I, I do my little close. I, I don't think we got your answer to the best Spider-Man movie. Ah, I didn't comment on that, did I? Um, okay, so this is how I feel. This th- th- This is very good. And this is kind of one of those things where tonight... Or, or, or when I walked out of the movie theater, I didn't feel that I had seen the best Spider-Man. That That, that is still homecoming for me. But l- let this movie, but, uh, but I feel like if I let this movie marinate long enough, if I think about it long enough, and if I start doing real comparisons, maybe I just need to watch them side by side whenever that opportunity presents itself and just really give a final judgment on it. But tonight. No, I still think that Spider-Man Homecoming is still the standard bearer. Um, Tom Holland being selected as a Spider-Man, he's just the perfect Spider-Man and the perfect Peter Parker. He nailed both roles, and that's so important, and he did them both. He balanced it well. You had a great villain. You had such a great story in that, and it was just great, and it was a great tie-in with the MCU and Iron Man's involvement and even the supporting cast around Spider-Man and his friends and everyone like that. It, it was just such good stuff, man. And there are so many great scenes in that film. So right now, tonight, I still am going to put that over this, but not by much. And who knows? Like I said, that could change. I'm not a person who's like, oh, my opinions are concrete. But tonight, no. I'm still saying that it's Spider-Man Homecoming by a hair. Just by a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I, I do like the fact that we're at least saying the, those two are the tops. Yes, but no, there there, there are no two better than this, though. They're definitely true. Which which is funny because you are a fan of the Raimi Spider-Mans, uh, the Raimi Spider-Mans, at least the first two. Um, yes, oh, yes. Which is another thing I do want to touch real quick. I loved the way they made fun of the fucking third Spider-Man in this. Yes, yes. Um, I was dancing. They made fun of the <laughs> dancing and stuff. Yes. Yeah, they made fun of that. That was that was a really nice little touch uh, to make fun of the crazy dancing Spider-Man. Um, yeah, no, I just I, I I I'm not gonna lie, I completely forgot about that. But that was a really great thing they did with that. That was it was just a small little touch, which yes, they stole from Deadpool, 100% stole from Deadpool. But it was still a really great, funny way of doing it. Yeah, and it was almost like Sony's way marvel by way of sony it was almost like their way of saying okay guys look we know that that was stupid okay we got you we hear you that was dumb but this won't be and i feel like that was just for those people so if you were on the fence was that a good movie or not sony just gave you the answer (laughs) and i now i really want venom to be in the second one so venom can say the line to spider-man of you know being like a turd in the wind rolling down the hill and Spider-Man just be like, what? Yes. Yes. What? <laughs> I, I, I just want that. I want them to make fun of that movie. And I know they won't because it made them just stupid amounts of money. And they're all just in love with the idea of making a Venom sequel now. But I really just want to see that because it's a stupid fucking terrible line. I just want them to do that. But other than that, guys, 
We do appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, check us check out the website www.cinemaslayers.com. We are cinema underscore slayers on Twitter, cinema slayers on Instagram, cinema slayers on Facebook. Uh, check out our store. Uh, got a lot of cool little merch there. You know, maybe if you guys are getting a little chilly because it is winter. Um, you know, we got hoodies and shit like that on the store. Uh, we are on Spotify now. So if you're listening to this on like the Apple podcast app or something like that, and you just are tired of it, but you listen to Spotify all the time, you can throw our little podcast on Spotify into your little playlist and then it won't uh, affect anything for you. So it'll be a little bit cooler for you guys. Other than that, guys, like, like we both said earlier, me and Justin loved, uh, loved this movie. So you guys should check it out if you already have it. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.